Hey everybody, it's me, it's Lenora from It's a New Dawn. How is everybody doing? It is November here in New Jersey and I am back in my back in my tiny home. I don't know, I could still record inside but I figured I'd hang out in here so you can see the bear picture. Some people say that they I look like I'm in a sauna but it's not a sauna. It's a tiny home on wheels made out of wood to look like a uh, log cabin that matches my log cabin that I live in. Um, I'm really happy to be with you all. I am sitting down with uh, a gentleman named Eric Patrick Thomas, AKA Mr. Inspire. Uh, he is a Flint, Michigan native and entrepreneur who is impassionate about changing the way people view disabilities. This passion came after a fateful night in 1997, which Eric suffered a spinal cord injury that paralyzed him from the neck down. Throughout this journey, Eric uses his experience to empower resilience and inspire change for people with barriers. In addition to serving the community as a public speaker, both motivationally and at the House and Senate hearings, Eric sits on several state boards as a voice for people with barriers. He is an advocate for self-determination living, hip-hop artist, D-man ambassador, and is the founder of Inspire Brand Clothing. Eric is also the proud owner of Easy Awareness by Design, a business specializing in graphic design for custom apparel, signs, and banners, which offers on-the-job experience to people of all abilities. Um, this is such... I cannot wait to hear your story, Eric, but I also want to point out to my listeners, uh, for those of you who don't know, I have a severe hearing disability and Eric uses voice recognition to be able to talk. So it might be a little bit of a, it's hard for me to kind of understand them sometimes, but I want you guys to bear with me and um, because I really want to hear everything you have to say, Eric. So I ask for your patience and I ask for our listeners' patience. So on that note, I'm ready to hear your story, Eric. Thank you for awesome. joining me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And it's a beautiful November. Mm -hmm. Beautiful November. It is. Uh, uh, you know, I'll take it back to, um, you know, growing up in, in Flint. Uh, as a baby, my, my, um, I was always around like wordplay, like Mother Seuss, uh, Mother Goose and Dr. Seuss. So that's the books that were read to me, kind of rhyme time. So I've always had this passion of like how words have rhythm. Uh, my aunt was around a lot. She's a musical person. So at the same time, I would do like act out musicals. One of my favorite is the Music Man, the original Music Man. Mm -hmm. um, my uncle, he's an 80s kind of rockster and stuff. So I was always growing up listening to music. My mom had a big, diverse uh, record collection. And then my dad, he was more rock and roll. So music was something that I just kind of fell in love with as a passion. My name, I'm even named after Eric Patrick Clapton. So that's how I got my name. That's how my mom uh, Eric died. Clapton, Eric Clapton. Mm -hmm. Eric Patrick Clapton. Okay, his, and his and and how old are you? How old are you now? I am forty three now. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. great. All right. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I've always had a passion for for music and trying to figure things out. 
which is probably where my entrepreneur kind of brain comes from or spirit. And then uh, before I was two, my parents got divorced. So I, I know that that had a big effect on my childhood because I had to step up and be the man of the house right away, you know, because I live with my mom. So I always felt older. It was like, right then I felt older. Like I always just felt older than what I was. And when I look back at the age that I actually was at, at the incident or the times that I, of memories, it just seemed like I was so much older. Um, my dad got remarried again um, after my mom. And then we had, I had a stepsister, a stepbrother and another stepsister. One of my stepsisters mm -hmm. that was two years older than me, she got hit by a car and she died. And that kind of changed. Oh man. That changed the path of the relationship between my stepmom at that time. They're, they're not married anymore. But it was kind of like, uh, more like the feeling of like, why is my daughter not here and your son is? That's my feeling. Then that's mm. what I was feeling for years. So, I mean, I'm sure that that had a lot to do. Wait, with that's, the, that's the way, yeah, that's the way you felt. That's the way you felt. But do you know if that was true? Yeah, for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, based on some mental, some mental games and things like that, yeah. And the looks and just mm. incidences that happened, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, mm. And so there was that. I was, I was a happy child, but I had anger problems because I could always find happiness because I was the only child with my mom and dad. So I could entertain myself in the mirror. I could go, you know, do whatever and just entertain myself and make myself happy. And uh, and then, uh, you know, I was in kindergarten. Then we, uh, it was okay. I never was a school person and we moved around a lot. So like by the time I went from kindergarten to first grade to second grade to third grade, we were already at like two or three schools. So it was like trying to find stability just wasn't really there. Mm -hmm. um, but it also helped me survive because I could adapt to my environment and be able to make friends with anybody. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. and then- were, uh, you, were you always in Flint? Were you always in Flint? Not all the time. Majority of it before my mom got married. Okay, but it. Then my mom got remarried when I, when I was in my freshman year, going into my freshman year. So mm -hmm. we left Flint and went to Clio, mm -hmm. which is like more of a suburb area. Um, and my dad, mm -hmm. uh, he moved around different, different suburbs that are in Genesee County after he left Flint. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I was still always as fascinated with like wordplay and, and uh, rhyme time. And then when I made it to elementary school, I think it was like mid elementary when Nintendo came out, uh, I had a great idea. There was a video store that was across the street. So I used to go there and study and analyze how VHS and betas were dropped off and rewind and late fees and everything. So when Nintendo came out, I started renting my Nintendo games to the kids in the neighborhood so that I could take that money and build my collection. So I built my library 
and they got to be able to get the gains without spending a lot of money at that time. Huh. At that time, you know, okay. there wasn't a thousand games that came out every day. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, right, like, right. Yeah. Um, so I got involved. You know, so that was my first, first time as like, you know, my biz, a business owner being an entrepreneur. You know, I mowed lawns and shoveled snow and always knew what the value of a dollar was. Um, and you had to save to get things. You know, it wasn't just given. I got allowance. My mom, my mom taught me to be an adult at a very early age, you know, how to do the laundry, how to clean, um, how to have responsibility, you know, all those things. You come home from school, you take your clothes off and you put your play clothes on. No matter what, how, even if they were a dollar or they were given to me, you know, you take them off and you put your play clothes on. So that's, uh, and then um, I also started getting into BMX racing, bowling. At one time I wanted to be a professional bowler, um, skateboarding. Uh, at the same time, while I was going through all that, I did a lot of, you know, things that I got in trouble with. I was kind of like, you know, out in the, out in the streets with my friends being, being uh, mischiefs and stuff, you know, um, mm -hmm. getting in, uh, just doing stuff that not mature, you know, but I guess it's, and I'm not sure why things were happening the way it was, you know, and I tried out like in middle school, I tried out different things like drinking and, and, you know, smoking and uh, whatever you want to call it, drugs. And, you know, and then I had bullies too, when I was growing up. So I also had peer pressure and bully pressure from the same thing, you know, sneaking out. I used to mm -hmm. sneak out of my house all the time. Well, we lived in a trailer at that time. Mm -hmm. And I used to sneak out a lot. And then uh, then um, one, one time a group of us got together and we started going out every night and getting into cars and joyriding them. Um, it didn't even seem like it was a crime. It just seemed like we were just- Right, and how old, how old were you then? How old were you? I was in seventh grade. So seventh grade? Yeah. Seventh yeah, grade? Yeah. That means you were what, 12? 12? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, or or 13, because I got held wow. back. In, I got held back in first Whoa. grade twice. Not to mention I had a psychiatrist okay. at third grade. I was the only person in elementary that was going to see a psychiatrist. Well, you know. So we like, all need somebody. So that's, yeah. that's okay. That's all right. But, um so you were you were joy riding. 12, 12 yeah, years we were, old. Yeah, we were we were going out every night and getting into cars or finding cars and just kind of just it was like a game. It was like it was the five of us and and then we said we we're gonna stop. But then one person in the group decided to do it again. You know, once you do it, it's like a slippery slope. And they did okay. it. And all of us were in agreement to stop, but he did it. That one incident sparked the police to come back and to come out and investigate, like the full-fledged investigation. So I can remember, I just, we just picked up my friend, Sean. Now I'm in Michigan. There's a place called Cedar Point in Ohio. It's an awesome amusement park. Okay, we, my mom, we go pick up Sean. We're gonna go to Cedar Point the next day. It's a Friday. Okay, so then we're playing basketball on the playground. Then all of a sudden I get tackled, okay? No idea what's going on. And then it's the police. Okay, so now 
Okay. I'm in handcuffs. I'm, you know, I'm in handcuffs, and then they're asking me what's going. To, and I'm, I'm denying. I'm denying like crazy. I'm like, no, no, I don't know what you're mm-hmm. talking about. But mm-hmm. then I see the police mm-hmm. car come up. You're 12. Like, you're 12. Right. Of course, you're right. gonna deny. You're 12. Right. But then I see the police car <laughs> rolling up on the grass, and I see one of the people that's in our group in the back of the car like this. They know everything, oh. and he's crying and he's beat red. Mm. <laughs> they know. They know, they know. I'm like, what's yeah, scary. I was like, what is man? Why'd you tell him? So it's obviously it's you know it's it's you know there's no no denying it now. So then he gives me the option uh, to go back to the trailer because my mom is you know in getting ready to take us to Cedar Point for the next morning. And so I take my bike and I ask him, you know, can I can I can I take my bike with me? And, um, and so he follows me and Sean gets in the back of the cop car and then we get to my, the trailer. Now I'm in handcuffs. My mom's dancing. I think she was listening to Prince or something and just having a good time. <laughs> just food's cooking and stuff, you know. And then she sees me, she sees the police, and she sees handcuffs. And I saw that look on her face and I don't ever, ever, ever want to see that again. It was mm. like disappointment times mm. a thousand. And I was just like, and I had to tell her what happened. And it was just like all the, you know, all the hours that she works or, you know, like she was working at Burger King at that time. And it's not like she was working at Burger King because she loved it. She was working at Burger King to, to support, to, you know, put food on our table, you know, at the same time, my, right, my dad was right. working at Myers nonstop too. He was a grocery manager at that time, but it was just like all this work that we put in and you do this. And I was just like, mm. so it was kind of a wake up call. Um, my friend, and you did, one, you woke up and you realized it, right, Eric? You, yeah, you did, realized it even at 12 years old. Cause yeah. a lot of kids wouldn't realize that. Like a lot of kids would just be like doing their thing and not think about, wow, my mom's really working hard for me. And my dad's really working hard for me. So for you to realize yeah. that at that age is, pretty good right don't you think yeah i would yeah i would say yes but i also felt adult too so i felt like it just felt like like i let everybody down not just her but just everybody you know i got caught i got caught uh and then uh good thing the person that actually you know that they caught you know my friend that was in the back of the cop car his dad stepped up and said look we're gonna get together we're gonna to go to everybody. We're gonna tell them we're gonna carry groceries. We're gonna mow your grass. We're gonna, you know, shovel your snow, whatever you need to get them not to press charges. And we did. So we were very wow. busy our seventh grade and eighth grade year. But then again, then after that, my eighth grade year, I moved. So so then uh, my mom got married and we moved to a new place called Clio. And uh, me, I was very, uh, diverse i had friends of all you know ethnic backgrounds uh different cult whatever people liked i never looked at somebody and said it's because you like that i don't like you or you know i just accepted you and we could get along you know i liked mm-hmm. having people that had mm-hmm. different people that were weren't the same well there it wasn't mm-hmm. like that it was like you're this way or you're that you're outside you're an outsider well, also at the same time, 
um, which I didn't mention when I was doing when I was back in elementary, like fourth or fifth grade, I got him. I got introduced to this thing called hip hop, you know, MTV, Fab Five, Freddy, and I was like, whoa, that's the word stuff that I like. That's the word in mm. the rhyme time stuff I like. Then before you know it, you had Rudd DMC, L O Cool J, and then the Beastie Boys, and I started writing lyrics, um, hip hop lyrics or rap lyrics, and then uh, that you carried wrote on. For them? No, not from no, 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 for myself, for myself. Uh, Oh, oh, oh. It it like inspired me wanting to be a hip hop artist. Mm. So then from there, from there, from elementary to middle school to high school, I was always around people that wrote that, that, that also rapped. And we had our groups and stuff and performances. Of course, before we would just perform like with a hairbrush on the, you know, outside in front of the neighborhood audience or something like that. We didn't have like microphones and Mm -hmm. things like that. Except I did have a Fisher Price record player. I did have a Fisher Price record player. So um, and you and you pretended with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I pretended. I also you watched pretended them. Pretended with the record. Well, yeah. I also saw them scratch records. And I was like, like do this. <laughs> you mean like do this? It did like not that, work. Right? Yeah. Well, that like didn't work. Record? Yeah, it didn't I'm work just well. Saying, that's what you mean. Yeah, because I was seeing them do that, but I didn't realize they had a mixer and a, you know, and two turntables. So I would say they're scratching my records all up. I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, that didn't work very well. Um, right, and so, right, right. so yeah, I mean, so the, the hip hop music followed me. Not to mention, I, you know, with the, the records, my friend, his parents, he had a records like George Clinton Parliament, Al Green, Dolomite, so uh, Richard Pryor. Uh, so we were getting, I was getting a good taste of just everything, you know? Not just one style. Right. I was always an open box, always open-minded, you know, person. And then, uh, so now I'm in high school. I'm still following the music. I didn't get along in school. I, I, there was no stability in school. Um, uh, my mom got married. I had two younger stepbrothers at that time. So he has two kids that are younger than me. I think two years and four years. And then also my dad now has... Uh, a new girlfriend, which is now his wife now, my stepmom. And she had three kids also, but they were older, two, two <laughs> boys and then one girl. Yeah. So, and that was sixth Big grade family. when they met. That, that was sixth grade when they mm. met. So, so I'm trying to go to school. It's not working out. I start, what was the first thing that started? Oh, I had a couple high school girl, uh, senior high school girls come to me. Hey, Eric, you want to skip with us today? I was like, what's skipping? So then they're like, well, you go with us. We're going to go have some fun. We're going to come back and you're going to go home like you went to school all day. I was like, yeah. Okay. How do you, how do you avoid that? You don't avoid it. You right, don't avoid right. it. I'm a guy. I'm a freshman. That's what I said. How do you women. do? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful <laughs> women. I'm like, well, you could have told me that we were going to do this. And I probably would have said, okay. You know, so I said, all right, let's right, do it. Right, 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 right. Well, th- it started and it did not stop. Did not stop. And then I started learning strategies on how to skip, like how to ride the bus, how to get back on the bus, how to lead, how to make it look like I was there. You know, you learn. And I was skipping with girls. So what do you expect? You know, uh, then, uh, mm-hmm. so then I started failing classes. And then uh, I, uh, I, um, then I started, uh, so I failed classes. I used to go home at lunch hour. But then one time, 
I went home at lunch. No, the, the hour before lunch because I was failed because I failed that class. My friend Ian and I, so we go to the house, my house where we're living. I forgot my keys, so we sneak into my back door, my back my, where my room is at the sliding glass window. So we go in through there, and then we're sitting there, we're eating food, we're watching Rap City. I think it was on VHS or something, you know. And then we hear a bunch of car doors, and I open up, and I'm like, Ian, the cops are out there. And he was like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know, man. Something must be going on out there. So then, like, I'm just like, la, la, you know, like, I'm like, you know, I should probably check out again. So when I open the door, there's a barrel of a gun right in the doorway. So I don't know. I don't know the police Uh are coming in, you know. So I slam the door on the gun, try to run about three seconds out of there because I don't know what's going on. And then uh, it's the police and they say freeze. And um, that situation could have turned into really bad, a really bad situation. And uh, so now I'm on the ground and there. Ian's looking at me like, what did you do? I'm looking at Ian like, did you do something? Like, what's going on? So they come, they, you know, they search him, they put him, they make him kneel kneel down on the floor with his head on the car on, on the couch and then they make me get up they search me and they do the same exact thing they're not telling us what's going on I don't know what's going on then my stepdad comes to the door and they're like do you know that you know then they finally say that uh the neighbors called the police said that there was a break-in and entering so they thought we were robbing the place ah uh, yeah ow, ow. yeah yeah so my stepdad had to identify us so- and, and then uh, the you guy got in would, trouble with your parents, though. I would say, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, this is how it was when I went back to school. On. Oh, oh, it, right. it got, oh, oh, yeah, all privileges. I got in trouble so much that one time I was just in my room, no phone, no stereo, no TV, no nothing, just you yourself in the mirror. And they didn't, they, a good thing they never took the mirror away. Well, it was different, it was different then, though. It was different then, though, Eric, because yeah. there were no cell phones then. There wasn't any, right? So, I mean, yeah, that's, was the that, that, it's all relative, right? Right. Video games? Relative. Like now, you're it's taking the like, video game away. Yeah. Like you're taking Sega yeah. away at that time. Oh, True. man, you know. True. So, just you, now, yourself, and I. So now I'm going back to school, but now I got this notebook. When I go to school, I got to have it signed every day that I was there. Mm. And how is my participation? So that's the other thing. And then mm. not to mention while I was in high school, I got 72 tardies just from talking, walking girls to school, being the last mm. one there. So I ended up going to Saturday school for a while. As my friend said, so you were part of the breakfast club. I was like, well, yeah, I guess that's what that was. Right. So junior year comes and we go, I end up going to this trade school thing called Skill Center. Mr. Watkins is my teacher. So you're about you're about 17. You're about 17 here. Yeah, because I was I was almost 19 when I graduated. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so Mr. Watkins, printing, graphic design, and photography. So that's what I, I do for half of my day. I'm learning skills. And I really like photography. So I get through the junior year and then he invites me to come back for senior year. So now I'm going there again. And it's really cool because there's people from all other schools in Genesee County that are also going there at the same time. So I'm learning photography again. I really liked it. Then that's when he's like, what are you going to, you going to go to college when you graduate? And I was like, no, college. I don't like school. 
he was like you can go to college for photography <laughs> for photography and I'm like what yeah right I didn't believe him so he brought in the Art Institute of Pittsburgh in Lansing Community College and they looked over my portfolio and sure enough I could go to college for photography so that's yeah. what so I almost went to the Art, Art Institute of Pittsburgh but I ended up going to Lansing Community College because I wanted to have a safety net in case I failed that I only was like 45 minutes away to my mom and stepdad's house you know in case I failed because I just said I don't know why I thought Ooh. I was going to fail but um and then my friend Ryan that was also taking the pro uh was in class with me he goes to Plant Northern uh he was going to also take photography at LCC so we were like well let's move in together let's just get a house together I'm working at Myers as a grocery stocker I could probably get you a job so let's let's do that so he graduates I had to wait for him to graduate because I graduated in three and a half years of high school. I learned I learned how to get credit hours and get out. And so I wow. waited for him. Good for you. Yeah, thanks. And then I uh, we move in August of 96. So at that time, I am now 18. No, okay. I'm 19. I'm 19. Yep, mm-hmm. I'm 19 because I used to sign myself out of school when I was 18, my senior year. So um, it would have not skip anymore. I could just sign myself legally out. And then, uh, and then um, so we move, we go to LCC. We're both working at Myers. I get him a job at Myers. We're taking photography. It's just us. We find a recording studio. We both start recording music. Then, uh, so it was just learning, you know, getting used to that. And then we start going to the club. So now we're doing club life. Uh-huh. We're learning and we're, we're making all kinds of friends and you name it. We're hitting up the club Friday, Saturday. We're, we're moving our schedule to make club life. Well, then one night we went to an after party. And while we were there, this guy got on the microphone, was rapping. And we were like, whoa, that guy's bad. He's really like, we were like, we got to do a song with him. So Ryan and I talked to him afterwards. His name's Cameron, goes by Big Perm. Never been to a recording studio yet. He just freestyled on microphone. So we said, hey, let's go talk. So we go talk about three in the morning. We're, at, we're out at a place called Theo's, like a Denny's. We're eating. We're just sharing life experiences. He's like, I'll come over tomorrow and see how you guys are. So he comes to the house and listens to us. We do a freestyle session. He's like, all right, I like you cats. Let's do a song together. So I schedule studio time. We're only supposed to do one song. That was it. We come out of the studio. Three songs later. And then we get back to the house, we're all looking, and I'm like, hey, man, we should all be a group. So I'm like, well, what do we call ourselves? We were all thinking the same thing. I opened up the dictionary or thesaurus. I don't know what one it was. I point to one word and it says miscellaneous. That's where miscellaneous was born. And that was the name of our group. Cameron, okay. Ryan, and me. So we started recording music and performing in the city. And then, uh, and then September 19th show is coming up. We're going to celebrate our music project. Plus, we were going to get a distribution deal with this uh, company I was talking to. So they would distribute our, our music in the record stores and stuff. I know I'm dating myself record stores, but. <laughs> but um, so we have the celebration. It's September 19th, but September 20th, because it, it was an after party of the club. So I'm in the house. There's a lot of people in the house. I go outside to check the parking lot. I just walk out there. I don't know why I walked out there, but 
I was like, I'm just gonna make sure everything's cool and calm. I come back to the house, come back to the stairs, talking to my girlfriend at the time. Then I was there for like five minutes. Then someone comes on the DJ van, then that's it. Pow, 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 pow. That's where life completely changed in a flash. I got hit. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Somebody came and shot you? Yeah, they pulled a gun and shot me. Uh, they, they shot a gun out of a van. They were driving past. No, they, they came around the DJ van. The DJ van was like the van that was in front of the house. Oh, so my that they God. Could, yeah, it's like a big van with no windows. Just oh, in the front. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, this is where I'm listening so carefully because I, I'm thinking an accident, maybe you were in a car accident and this happened. See, I didn't know how this happened. Okay, so you were shot. Yeah, I was shot at the age of 20. Uh, I just turned 20 uh, in July. Got shot in September. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the happiest time, just now my world's been rocked. And the bullet went in my third and fourth vertebrae. They shot me from the back side to the back left side. So I spun, then dropped to the cement. I'm looking up at the, oh. the dark sky. Do you remember cold. this? Do you oh, yeah. remember this? Oh yeah, for sure. Oh. Yeah. And then I'm in and oh. out of consciousness. I'm not, I'm not able to. So I'm unable to move from the neck down or anything at all. And everything's like, like throbbing and echoing the, the you know, the bullet, the, the gunshots. Um, oh. And then I'm not able to even say, help. I'm not even able yeah. to. So I'm unable to like communicate with anything around me. But then also I can hear oh. people, I can hear it's like someone's been shot, Eric's been shot or, you know, and then you hear the chaos around you. Now I'm not able to move my head and look up and go, oh, you know, I'm just laying there, I'm flat. There's nothing, there's no more I can do. And at this time I'm not even oh. breathing. I'm, 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 I'm lost to breath. No breath. So I'm, I'm, I'm But you know that, you know, this is happening. You know, this yeah. is happening. Like, but you can't, but you can't communicate, right? You can't I'm let them to, know. Unable to communicate every, every sense, every. And you, every you, sense you shot more down. than once? Well, we know for sure because I got the bullet in my third and fourth vertebrae, but on the back of my head, there is some raised skin that goes like across. So it's possible one like grazed me when I got spun from the first bullet. Because when I, uh, like that, like, oh, you know, hear something uh, from your left, you automatically instinct, you look to your, you know, where it's coming from. So yeah, so I'm struggling. But then I, I felt like there was some, un, like I was unfinished. Like I was like, I was almost there. You know, I almost, re I almost reached that goal. And then it got this hooking away, like out of nowhere. So I felt like, I was like, you know, we got to keep going. Like whatever the circumstances are gonna be, I'm willing to. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna push through it. Like I, this, this can't. This, this, this isn't gonna end now. Like you know, I guess it was like a, I was praying. You know what I mean? Like a conversation, conversation to keep me on this. Yeah, but when did you feel that way? When did you feel that way? Like you, this isn't where time. it's gonna end, and I. The whole time it's going. Like through. from the beginning. From, yeah, from the time wow, that I was struggling, surviving, I was just like, wow, you know, yeah, I was like, you know, just keep me on this earth longer. I know that there's more that I can do. I know that I have potential. Like, all this stuff is happening. And then before you know it, I'm going in the hospital, they're putting four screws in my head. And then they're putting tubes in my throat. 
and they're intubating me because I'm not able to breathe on my own. And then right. I wake up, I wake up and uh, yeah, my mom, my stepdad, my dad, my stepmom, and then my um, go to sleep, Oops. go to sleep, go to sleep. Mouse grid, go to sleep. I gave it the command. That's why it started to, the voice recognition software, but I wanted it to type. Yeah. So, um, oh. so I gave it the W word. That's what it, that's the command you give for it to start typing. So, um, so I see them. Now this time my dad and stepmom lived in uh, Indiana. So they were there quick. Like I was like, trying to figure it all out. That's what they tell you a shot again. But then you're trying to move and you're like, like half of you is like, this is temporarily. And half of you is like, I have no idea how long this is gonna be. But you didn't have enough time to think about why you weren't moving. You're more thinking about surviving because I had to survive. The first goal right now is to survive, to live, to survive. That's the first thing. Don't so you, about- never, you never felt like, you never felt like to let me die or if I'm never, never gonna move again or never never that's that's so great never never wow. was angered at, that's why know, that's why you are wow never did I say I don't like wow. like I was angered at my creator I never said this you know mm. that that's it it's over no never why me why me wow uh, I'm sure that that probably has came across like, oh, why did this happen to me? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I would have to say that because you're like, you didn't have anything. You didn't have like beef with anybody. You weren't doing any like, dr- you know, drug activity or whatever. And you're like, how did this, why is this happening? So yeah, for, for, for sure, you definitely say like to yourself, like, why me? Like, why would they do that to me? Did they find, did they find the people no. that shot you? No, and I think that- Never? Was, no. No real investigation. There's an incident wow. report, but no investigation. So oh I think that's God. also what brings up those questions, like why? Because you're, it's an unanswered thing. So you're like, why? You know, but you have to learn to like move on from the why, you know, because um, that'll eat you up, you know. So mm-hmm. the right now is the survival in the hospital, and I got the tubes in my throat, and then I'm not, I'm unable to, you know, talk or eat. And then I think like a week or so after that, they realize that it's, it's they, they're saying it's permanent. So you take the tubes out and they cut your throat and they put a tracheotomy. So now the ventilator is in your, your throat and then that's, um, you know, life support. And, but I am able to eat after that though now. So now I can eat. <laughs> so that wow, was a great okay. experience. Well, but I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not able to talk, but I can move my mouth and you have to like read my mm-hmm. lips. Um, and mm-hmm. then from there, it's just, you know, like I, it's, it's, it's two, three weeks not going to sleep until they put stuff in your IV and knock you out. It's nightmare dreams are turning to nightmares. And yeah, and, and nobody knows who did the shooting. Everybody's hearsay, she say. And then not only that, I'm under an alias, I know people by nicknames. So it was just, it was just a big ball of emotion, any which way you possibly could. Imagine and plus some. Well, the next yeah. stage from there, the next stage from there is rehab that you start learning. And so it's like, where are you going to go to rehab? That's where you. Well, how long? Take. How long were you in the? How long were you in the hospital? How long were I, you in the hospital? September twentieth to October 29th. 
That was the that was the local hospital. Uh, say it again. I'm sorry. Oh, September September twentieth till when? October 29th. And then from there. Okay, you're in over a month. Yep. And then from there, um, because I was going to rehab, but I was on a ventilator. All the places locally, then I'm talking about like states and surrounding states, they didn't have any available space yet for people that were on ventilators. So Craig Hospital in Inglewood, Colorado, heard of my story, maybe the hospital or something. They came and, and did an assessment on me and said, we could get them off the ventilator. We're, we're pretty confident. So that was the move. That was it. I didn't want to leave Michigan. I was like mm -hmm. devastated to leave, but it was the best decision ever because mm -hmm. next thing you know, we're flying out to Inglewood, Colorado, Colorado, and then I'm here at Inglewood, Colorado, and I start my rehab boot camp. And that's where the, the respiratory therapist comes in and turns the ventilator off for 30 seconds and just says, breathe, you know, you're going to breathe. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And then they turn it back on and they say, okay, we'll be back. They do it three times a day, five, wow. day, five days a week. And then you make progress and mm. you make 10 steps forward and you make 20 steps backwards and you do 30 right. steps forward. You know, it's it, the, the goal now yeah. is to get off the ventilator. When I got to rehab after I survived, the goal was, you know, that goal was accomplished. Then the goal was to get off the vent. So the goal in rehab was not to physically move the body again. It was to get off the ventilator. It was like steps, you know, but mm -hmm. you were also doing physical therapy and occupational therapy at that time. And then um, uh, tetra therapy or something like that. That's like where they teach you about your education and awareness of like you and your new self, you know, like everything, what mm -hmm. it's going to be like for your, your, you to be, to live life with a spinal cord injury, you know, to be paralyzed from the neck down. Right. And then uh, wow. while I was in rehab, uh, a, a chaplain, I think that's what, it, what um, they, they go around each rooms and they pray for people, you know, and then this mm -hmm. guy mm -hmm. comes mm -hmm. in, he was just like, I want to know one question or no, one answer. Do you forgive who or whom did this to you? And I wasn't able to speak at that time, but I mouthed like, yes, like if, you know, it was the most powerful the most powerful word that I've ever spoken without audio, without my voice. Wow. Yeah. And then the, wow. the, the, the word. Were you, able, you were able to do that? You were, you were able to forgive at, I was right, able to for, at that time? I was able to forgive by my upbringing of my mom. Then my, you know, my, well, my dad and my mom, but my mom always had me going to catechism was always, um, you know, and then, uh, and then my babysitter, she was always reading scriptures to us and stuff like that. So my friend's mom babysat me wow. after we moved to my, my elementary. So she was very, very, uh, I don't know, religious or spiritual, whatever you want to call I me, mean, but she was always reading the Bible to us and teaching us, you know, not, not, uh, did you, did you feel like, did you feel like a burden was lifted when you were able to forgive? I felt like uh, God was smiling upon this world, like I did right for the yeah. once in my life. That was the best decision I've ever made in my life. It is the best decision. It's the, it's the best accomplishment and the best decision was giving forgiveness because it was like I was tested like after 20 years and all these people were looking down at me like, what are you going to do? 
how are you going to answer? And I, and it was like, yes, in a blessed life and not bitterness. Wow. Uh, um, mm. It was like an anchor to my ship and the cord was cut and I was able to sail. I, I oh, able- that's beautiful. Can I can, I can understand that. That I, you know, yeah. Telling my story also is uh, forgiveness. It's not for everybody. Some people are not ready, uh, but it does it does help just help you set you free for set me free for sure. Yeah, so I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah, you and then know? we get to work, and then and then the healing that happens to us, you know, like how we. Mm-hmm. I mean, right away, like the four screws came out of my head. So I didn't have the halo anymore. And then they started letting the cuff down on my ventilator. And I was able to power words like, hello, hi, you know, like through the ventilator and stuff. And then I was just getting better and better. I was getting better and better. And then all of a sudden it was time to go home, but they had to order a wheelchair. Well, the chair that they ordered, either the order got messed up or the wrong chair. And at that time I was like, what the heck? Like, like wrong chair, like, oh no, like, you know, it, it was a bad thing or something. It was like, not a good thing. Like you got the wrong order at your fast food restaurant. But then you figure out mm-hmm. because that, that mess up, I was able to stay in rehab longer. And because I had that stay longer, I was able to get off the ventilator. Yeah. So Ooh, okay. it was a blessing. Everything's meant for a reason, right? It was a blessing. It was, right. uh, you know, but I didn't mm-hmm. see it at the time. I didn't see it at the time, but that's a training that you learn now when things happen now, I don't instantly look at it like, oh, I look at the lesson in it. I look at the positive in it and I look at the blessing also. Mm-hmm. So I might be like, oh, you know what? I've been trying to do this. You know, maybe I'm being protected. Maybe if I do this, there's not mm-hmm. good about it. So I, I look at it all now, but that's years and years yeah, of training. That's so true. So it um, does. It does take years. I, I look at things that way too, but it, it's definitely something that you have to be conscious of yeah. with every thought. Like every thought. There, there was a reason for that. Good and bad. Yep. You know? Right. There's right. a reason. Mm-hmm. Yep. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that? Do you believe, do you believe that about your accident? I would say after everything that I've seen and things that's happened and the people that's their lives have changed, tremendously and babies have been born and people have been married that I think it happened for me and not just to me. Yeah. Mm. So when the question comes up, which is always comes up, if you could go back in the past, what would you change? Not a thing. Not a thing. Go right back out. and. I agree. I agree. And, you know, we always put the, the level of, of quote unquote badness to people's things that happen. But to us, it's all, you know, it's all bad, right? Um, yeah. So I might say in my eyes, wow, wow, he's amazing. He wouldn't change that. You know, he, you know, you can't walk, blah, blah, blah. And some people would look at me and say, she got abused by a priest and like it was horrible childhood and, you know, but I wouldn't it made me who I am. It's made me this caring, loving person who, who truly cares about people through and through. Right. So I want to talk about, 
um, and I'm not rushing. I say this in every pod, every podcast, people just have no attention span, which is really sad, but I want to get to like, what came from this accident? What I know you're doing so much. So I want to, and you also have your shirt inspire on there for people on YouTube can see it inspire. So tell me all about what you're doing to change people's lives. The better. Well, once I, when I left rehab, I went back to my mom and stepdad's house. My stepdad built a ramp so I didn't have to go to a nursing home or adult facility. Then I started getting involved. Like, I was like, okay, what do I do now? It's like, what, what are the next steps? Well, I got in, um, in contact with the Disability Network. And Mr. Zelly, when we went and had our meeting there, he said, you, you're going to be able to do whatever you want to do. May not believe it now, but just get involved. So that was my first time, like, saying, okay. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to testify with my story. You know, basically he was saying like any cuts in Medicaid, Medicare, long-term care, people go to nursing homes, abuse, whatever it is, get involved. We'll get you there. So my advocacy work was starting to emerge from there. At the same time, he was like, you're also going to be a business owner. You are not going to be able to hire your own caregivers. You're going to do schedules. You know, you are going to be the CEO of your life, basically. And so I started hiring caregivers to take care of me. I started training them the way I wanted mm-hmm. to, my care to be. And then um, mm-hmm. it's all, it's a process, you know, at the same time, I wanted to go back to school. I learned about Michigan rehab services. So I started, I, I met up with them. I put a plan together and I went back to college. Well, I was started going to college, commuting back to the same college I was going to. Well, that got old with winter and everything. And just trying to get there. I was just trying to get back to the life I was at instead of just going to college locally. So eventually that got, I stopped that and started going to local college, started going to my community college, just absorbing everything, any class that I could take, just learning, I was doing it. Um, and then from there, I was like, what am I gonna do now? And I wanted to, so I wanted to like work or I was like, well, I tried starting a record company, but you know, the, the artists and stuff, it was hard. They, everybody wanted to be superstars at that time. You know, so I just like eventually stopped doing it. And then from that, though, a guy in Detroit heard about me and he had a newspaper called the Promoter Newspaper. So he came up and ad, and we met up and he asked me if uh, I wanted to write a column and distribute it. And we had a contract and everything. And I write with my dragon, actually speaking. So I typed my voice. So I did that for five or six years while I was building relationships in the music industry mm. also at that time. So eventually the paper, um, it, it closed at this time now. I'm also in my own apartment. So we put a plan together when I was at the house, Operation Eric Move Out. By 2000, I was in my own apartment, living independently with 24-hour care. So we, I was moving quick. Wow. And, and, yeah, independence is really important, you know? Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. And you were, you were young, so. Yeah, I was very in my 20s. Important. So I, the paper closes. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing now? So I, I started doing some mentoring and stuff. Um, for the state of Michigan, learning, getting certified. And then uh, the grant that funded that was on the chopping block when the next administration came in. So that got cut. So I'm like, what am I gonna do now? So then I opened up an internet radio station. So now I got an internet radio station. I got a license through Live 365, a blanket license. And everything was going good. I had shows all over the world. And um, we were putting them together. I had my DJs, um, Jack Frost, DJ Busto, Dave and Isaac and Tim. We were doing great. We had a huge website, streetlevel.biz, the Miz, the Miz Radio. And then internet radio was in trouble. 
the royalty rates were, were getting changed and internet radio was not gonna be able to survive on these new rates. So we went to Washington DC with Live 365 to save the internet radio, uh, Internet Radio Equality Act. So I go to Congress, I go to House and Senate and I introduce uh, with other people, the Internet Radio Equality Act. Well, it, it got introduced around the floor, it passed. Internet radio saved, radio stations saved, yay. But they found a loophole later on and re royalty rates changed. I wasn't able to afford it, so I shut down the radio station. So it's like, now what am I gonna do? So I go back to a childhood dream, my own clothing line, a t-shirt business. Well, the person that I've already built re relationships with through um, Michigan Partners for Freedom for Self-Determination, um, Cheryl, and she works at Goodwill. She had a t-shirt business 10 years ago. So I always wanted to do it. So I said, okay, well, the service I get, I get a service called Supportive Employment. And they are contracted with uh, GHS, Genesee Health Systems. So we started putting my business plan together. And uh, it took about a year. And then um, um, we let people read the business plan and then rewrote it, whatever the feedback was. And then eventually I got my friend Ziad to not want to be a, an investor for the startup, but be a business partner because he owns other companies. And I was going to be able to utilize his attorney, his CPA, uh, you name it, his, his, his resources. So I was using, utilizing them. Also at the same time, I just met Z because I was fundraising for a new van uh, January 2010. And uh, he was starting a foundation that was going to put the first ever barrier-free music therapy recording studio. So I was going to get back into music right soon. But we became business partners. And then November 2011, the doors opened to EC Awareness by Design, which stands for Eric Ziad, Bring Awareness by Design. And, and you're, and you're, okay. What, wait, what does it stand for again? Eric and Ziad, Ziad's my business partner. Bring awareness by design. Easy awareness by design. Okay. And now doors open up November, 2011. Uh, and then your main thing is Inspire. Inspire is the brand of Easy Awareness. And then your main logo there is, is brand, is a brand. Okay. Yep. And Inspire you've had this the brand. around. You've been doing this for. Okay. Inspire since that mean 2013. Uh, a childhood dream, a clothing line. Inspire. I didn't know it was going to be this, but it really all sparked from meeting, uh, meeting Damon John a year into my business. He actually came to Flip for a speech, November of 2012, and the people that were bringing him, I already built a relationship with for years, the Conies. And so they already had it set up by the time his speech was over, it was gonna be time for me to talk to Damon John. And he was in my business plan when I wrote it about who I needed to talk to because he owned FUBU and I was gonna open a lifestyle brand. So here we are, I get to talk to him, we chop it up. He says, look, follow me on Twitter, let's yeah. stay in touch. So we stay in touch, he starts following my story and then he starts paying attention to the designs. Before you know it, we're having a better, a bit, uh, we're building our All relationship. Right. I'm, raising, I'm raising my hand. I'm, ra I'm raising my hand. Who is Damon John? Damon John, the owner and founder of FUBU. And also on ABC, ABC <laughs> Get Show Shark Tank. Oh, and he's my brother. 
you know. Thank you. Family. I, I knew he was big, but I didn't, I didn't know. And I'm admitting, I don't know everything. So, okay, go ahead. Wow. Yeah. So we start, you know, building our relationship on social media, basically at first. And then um, we, when I say, oh, we too, um, then with Jesse, my graphic design artist and assistant through Easy Awareness by Design, who designed all this stuff that you see, we get uh, a message that says, hey, my, Damon John says, I'm doing my academy in Michigan. You guys should go out, you know, come out or check it out or go to it or something. So we did. So we went to the Damon John Academy. We learned a lot. We learned a lot. I mean, it was wow. pretty amazing. We learned a lot. George was really awesome. Uh, I remember when we had like 50 designs that we showed him and he was like, which one are you marketing? I'm like, all of them. And he was like, no, it was 50 brands. So it wasn't 50 inspires. It was 50 different. He was just like, no, focus on the one that, you know, that you're going to go towards. Wow. So that was really the main focus of where we got our stuff together with inspire. The same time we had a website, but we weren't making any sales. We don't know how to make sales. We didn't even know how to convert. So we shut our website down the next business day. And that's where we opened up Shopify, which we learned from the Damon John Academy. And then we started making mm. sales. And the only shirt that we put up on our website was Inspire. Just the original black and white Inspire. We didn't, you know, so it was not a big choice. We kept it very simple. And then um, from there, we just kept learning. And then before you know it, Damon purchased uh, some Inspire apparel. You know, I think it was like a couple months later, because this was March. So it was like May. May, maybe, maybe April. And then we were like, when's he gonna take a picture with it and show it, you know? Then here it is, it's June 13th, it's a Friday the 13th. I'm having a fundraiser to, for insurance for my van. And then he posts a picture of him wearing the Inspire shirt. And then he wrote a big, pair, like a huge story on it. And that was awesome. And then like our whole, everybody was really pumped up and geeked up. And so that was on a Friday. So that's what started Inspire Friday. We wanted people to feel like how we felt before the, the, the weekend started. So we called it Inspire Friday. So every Friday we start saying, what inspires you? And the people would share what inspires them. Hashtag Inspire Friday. We've been doing that since that. 2014. It's beautiful, thank Love you. That. And so, so Inspire is growing now. I'm learning what our relationships are building. And then before you know it, uh, I'm an ambassador for one of his books, the first book. Uh, what was the first one that I was ambassador of? Might have been the power of broke. Yeah, power of broke, rise and grind, and power shift. So power of broke. So I'm an ambassador. So now I learn how to do a book campaign or a campaign at all. How how to structure the campaign, social media wise, everything. You're learning all this stuff through through uh, being an ambassador for his book. Then 2015 comes in June, and then I get a call, and then he's like, Damon's like, hey, I want you to come out to LA because he read an article in business magazine that my friend Christina did that said, I haven't taken a vacation since my injury. So he was like, you need to take a vacation. I want you to come out to LA. I'm gonna be on the cover of Inc. Magazine. We're gonna have a celebration. Then I want you to come out to Shark Tank and check out Shark Tank and get the experience. Oh my God, this is so exciting. And you know what, yeah. Eric, I just looked him up and normally I wouldn't do that, but I have my laptop next to me and I'm like, I know who this is. He's really famous. Yeah, yeah, he's real cool. Damon, Damon John, right? Yes. Right, Damon yes. John. 
Wow. Yep. Yeah, you probably could Good look up. You. you probably could look up both our names together on Google and see us. I I will. I will. But I'm, I knew the name sound familiar, but now I know who he is. I I know I've seen him on Shark Tank. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So wow, so, great opportunity. Yeah, here it is. So, so, go ahead. Father, so you Father, go to California. Father's Day weekend, because David wants me out there six days later after I talked to his assistant. And I'm like, whoa, how do I do this? So he had me hustling. He had me hustling, getting my stuff together to figure wow. out how to fly, how to get to the hotel, like all that stuff. And all that's in my YouTube under Journey to Inspire the West. You can see me get on a plane. You can see when I get to LAX. You can see when there's no accessible transportation to take me to the hotel until an hour and a half later. And then the van that comes has a fold-out ramp. No tie-downs, nothing. Yeah, yeah, all of that's there. But you don't want to let that hurt, like put a barrier into this exciting moment. So we go there. It's my dad and my caregiver, John, the one that's here right now. And Damon paid for everything. And we go out there. And I stayed at the hotel, the Ace Hotel, which is where the party, the Ink Magazine party was going to be. That way I wouldn't be late and there wouldn't be any barriers. To say I could right. make it to the thing. I'm living, I'm there. I'm already there. I was a day or day early. So we get to that. We have a great time on Monday. He does a speech, which is on YouTube. I do a closing speech. And then Zi just happens to be out there because he has a couple of home care businesses out there. So it all worked out. And I was like, and he, he could come too. So Z's there. We're all there. And then the next day we go to Shark Tank. And then it's at Sony Studios in Culver City. And that's where you just get the experience of a lifetime. You know, you're there, you watch the people pitch their, their, their heart out, their, their life, their, their, their invention, their passion. You know, they're, they're, they're so passionate about it, they're nervous that they're almost making their stomach sick. You know, they're just like, oh, back and forth. There's no audience there. It's just whoever the guests are there that the shark, you know, the shark's right. invited. And then the media and like the press. And so I would just I could, I could never do that. I could never do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, would, I'm so nervous. I would say so this nervous. it would definitely be very intimidating to have that door fling open and then and then see all five sharks or all the sharks sitting there ready for you to pitch yeah. your yeah, because you gotta know your numbers, you gotta know your evaluation, you gotta know your story, but you gotta know why you're there. And what's in it for them? You know, like how, if they invest in your business or if they invest, what do we need? Like, why do I need you? Well, right. and you should know who you're going after before you ever get out there. Don't go out there and be like, I'm just going to throw it in the, you know, the air and wherever it lands, it's going to land. No, do your homework. Anybody that goes to Shark Tank, do your homework before you go. And that's for everybody out. That's for everybody out there. I would never go on Shark Tank, but... <laughs> So I got to meet all the sharks. I got to meet all the sharks that were there. We took pictures and the hospitality was amazing, 150%. And then the catering and all the food and the lunch, it was just just a, a, a great time, just a great day, just a, a memorable day. Obviously, if I'm talking about it right now, it's memory that's just, it's there mm -hmm. forever. And, um, mm -hmm. and then before you know it, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting back. I'm coming back on the plane and back to Flint, back to my house. I just went through this amazing, wow. amazing experience and yeah. found really great people and learning. And it's cool too, because I built relationships with some of them. 
and we still talk to this day. And so really cool people. Um, it's, uh, and uh, so what do I do next? Well, and then before that, I was, I, I, I never, I haven't went anywhere in 19 years. I think that's what it was or something like that. And then, uh, and then in August comes and the D-man's got another thing besides recording. They got assisted travel. So we're going to Vegas because when you have a clothing line in Damon's book, which I learned the very first book was to go to the magic show. So that's what I was doing. I was just doing what I, I knew, you know, what I was learning. So we were going to the magic show. And that's the largest apparel uh, show, you know, conference in the world. And uh, so we go to Vegas, like a month later, what was it June, July? So two months later, we're in Vegas. Then we rent the wheelchair accessible van and we go to LA too. So we go from L Vegas to LA. I got like a bucket list or like a list of accomplishments that I wanted to do. I wanted to have an inspired pool party or an inspired party in Vegas. We got that club rehab through the biggest, largest pool party for Inspire, gave us the cabana. It was amazing. Uh, and uh, all because of the contacts and relationships yeah. that I built in the past. And then when we got to LA, one of the things was to have a, a, an Inspire party there. Well, we stayed at the W Hotel on Hollywood and Vine. And why we just happened to be talking to the person in the lobby, he runs the rooftop. So he said, hey man, Thursday night, let's have an Inspire party. All right, let's have an Inspire party. That's the other, awesome. And the other thing was to record at a recording studio in LA, like a professional recording studio. So then, and we got that dream too. We were in Encino at Michael, Michael Boniger's house, which he's on, on the, all types of scores and stuff like that. And that's where he brought in an engineer and a producer. And then we recorded a song and that was on the list. And it was, and it was just like, everything was just happening. That was written on the list. It was like- Wait, was, Eric, you have, you have an exciting life. Yeah. You have an exciting life. Yeah. Wow. So and then that go ahead, also, keep going. And then I also saw the ocean for the first time. I witnessed Aww. the ocean for the first time. Now my cousins also live out there in LA. So Patty and Madison, Madison's our daughter, was able to meet up with us at the hotel. And then it was, so it was my dad, Ziad, Calvin is Ziad's brother. And then Patty and Madison. And we had to Santa Monica. And we go to the Santa Monica Pier where Route 66 ends. I, I think that's where it ends. And we eat pier burgers and pier fries and then watch the sun go right down in the ocean. And let me tell you that it's ah, an amazing, beautiful. an amazing, like unexplainable, unbelievable uh, sight to see the, the, the sun just, you know, disappear in the ocean. And uh, yeah. so, yeah. and then, oh, my friend Marty also was there. They surprised me with my friend Marty, Marty Sheedy. He owns Project Scissorgate. It's a foundation. Uh, and they surprised me when I was in LA he was at the hotel. I was like, hey, you guys, Marty's here. And they're like, yeah, we, we brought him. They got me. They, 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 they kept the secret going. Um, and then before you know it, I'm going back to Flint. And it's like, where do we, you know, here it is. Like, how do you keep up with this momentum? You know, you're in LA, people are loving Inspire. How do you keep it going? And then that was 2015, we just kept, and I was an ambassador for Damon on a couple of, another book. 
And then 2017 came and I turned 40. Well, I needed a new wheelchair accessible van. So we put together a campaign called We Drive to Inspire. I'm always branding things like events or whatever it is. And I was gonna sell, we were gonna sell Inspire bracelets. Well, that worked out a little bit. We had to start selling Inspire hats, Inspire shirts, getting sponsors. Cause you're talking, we had to raise about a hundred thousand dollars. So, right. so we start fundraising the day of my birthday. And then uh, March 1st, 2018 comes. And that's when a, a whole life changing again, 20 years after the, the um, being shot, uh, my caregiver rolls me over to wash me up. And there's a hole, there's a hole in my body in the coccyx area, right by the tailbone area. And uh, didn't know how serious it was then, but um, I'm still recovering from the bone infection to this day. So we oh. thought it would be a month in bed. I ended up having to go to the wound care center every two weeks, getting cut on, sizzled oh. on, um, debreed. And then July, June 11th, yeah. then June 11th from the complications of being on bed rest, both my lungs collapsed. June 11th, oh. my, and my oxygen level went down to 40. So I was rushed to the hospital. Oh. Actually, I called the hospital ambulance. And then I got to the hospital and they, they weren't able to bring my oxygen level up. So they had to intubate me. So I was intubated, tubes down my throat, feeding tube, so I wasn't able to talk again. And then I communicated with a toothbrush on like a, a cardboard, looked like a bingo card with letters. And I tapped on it to communicate. And then uh, 15 days later, the tube came out. Then the, the feeding tube came out. I was able to eat again. And then I was on oxygen. And all the things that I learned throughout the years and being in the hospital rehab, I, I put them in place or I put them in action in like 15, 18 days. And then wow. uh, I got off the oxygen and July 6th on my birthday, I came home. I still had to recover from the, the, the collapsed lungs, you know, from what happened. Those had to recover. I now have a... a a thing called the Trilogy. It's like a CPAP BiPAP that I have to wear at night when I sleep. It helps me take deeper breaths. It's a big mm -hmm. full face mask. And also I had, um, right, right after I went, to, uh, the hole opened up in my body, which I forgot to mention, I had kidney stones. So I also had to get those removed like yeah. four days after, four days after. So I'm recovering from everything right now. And then, yeah. and then, uh, then that August of 2018, we had a fundraiser for the van and it was um, at a, a hall. My caregiver coordinated, helped put it on along with family and friends. And then we raised the money from there. And then I had, I raised like 20,000 by then. And I sent the plan over to Damon. I said, can you check this out? Let me know what I'm missing. Can you give me some pointers? He said, can you jump on a call the next day? I said, yep, I can. So we jump on a call. He was like, not only is he going to help me with like how to improve, I'm going to get a couple of his staff, a couple of his team members to be able to help me with the fundraiser. So Sherry and George, I started working with them. And then George and I started working, um, you know, consecutively to get the, the fundraise for the van, finding out what's the right van, what companies to go with, in-kind sponsorship, sponsors, you know, you name it. And then also, you know, Damon would like promote for them or whatever. 
the agreement was and stuff like that. So I'm fundraising for the van. I'm also on bed rest. And we're talking bed rest. The only time I got up was to go to the urologist and the wound care center. And then 2019 comes and I'm still on bed rest. And I'm still got a hole in my body. And then May of 2019 comes and the wound care center says, we've done everything we can do. Where there's no more we can do, we've tried. We tried five experimental treatments. The hole is not closing up. So I got a second opinion. My friend Ziad had a doctor named Dr. Bruce Rubin. Contact him, tell him what's going on. When can you come and see me? Now, soon as possible, man. Soon as possible. He gets me in the next day at one o'clock. My dad takes me down there, get transferred to the table. And then he looks at the wound and says, that's not a pressure wound. That's a bone infection. That's an exit wound. So we learned that I had a bone infection. And then when you have that, it, it burrows a hole out of your body for you to survive, to push the infection out. So he takes cultures and nutrition tests. And then a week later, I didn't want to do IV. So I want to do oral and I went on antibiotic. So I started an antibiotic treatment for the body for nine weeks. And then in July 16th, the hole closes up. We thought we're we're, we're, we're saying like, hallelujah, wow. amen, hallelujah. I'm, I'm back. And I'm back up in the chair amen. being mobile for three weeks. And then a little dot shows up on my right, right bottom cheek by the, the issue. Um, and I thought it could be a bug bite, could be a pimple, but we monitor it, we take pictures and then it just got bigger and rounder and rounder and rounder and harder. And then before you know it, the skin drops out and there's a big hole, a funnel, like a half dollar size. And then, so he says, you got to come see me. Then I come and see him and he says, I'm not tell you this, you, you relapse. We got to get you back on antibiotics as soon as possible. So we do that. So now I'm back on antibiotics. But everything I learned from the nine weeks of antibiotics, I put in action for the next eight weeks. So it was a lot easier, a lot easier to do. No real problems taking the antibiotics eating little, little meals, keeping my belly just full, just enough. So that way I wouldn't get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, eight weeks later, uh, that, that hole closed up. And then before you know it, we purchased the van. And then December 20th, there was an Inspire Friday. Um, I'm going down to get the van. I'm going down to get the, the new van. Wow. And then my wound by the awesome. time, the end of the year, it was pretty much all healed up. So then 2020 comes, new van, back in the chair, healed up, going to mm. be mobile. 2020 is going to be Please tell me it's good. Please tell me it's good. 2020, it's going to be mobile. <laughs> and then Corona hits. And then I had a plan for that. If it became a pandemic, um, I would leave my house and move in with my caregiver, the one that's here right now, temporarily. We didn't know how long this was going to be. And, and figure things out and all the rest of my staff can stay home, be safe and the business will be shut down. And that's what we did. So mid-March, left, went to his house, 24 hour care, stayed away from everybody. Just everybody, you know what I mean? Just completely. Because I, learning that it was a respiratory, my, I, my cough is, yeah, yeah, that's my cough. You can, so, yeah, you cannot take no, a chance. Play <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm there and then, um, July. Oh, and I'm healed. No problems. I'm up in my chair. Morning tonight. Everything's good. 
So about eight months, and then I come home July 26. It's on a Sunday. Now I got to bring all my staff back. Two didn't come back. So I had to get, I had to, you know, figure things out, get people on the schedule, and then also reopen the business. And then um, July 28th, it was a Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. My caregiver rolls me over to wash my booty in the morning. And she's like, what do I do with this hole? I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I thought maybe, maybe a pimple burst, you know? And then when she got yeah. me dressed, I, she got me dressed and up in the sling. It's like a Hoyer lift. It's like a, when, you know, like you yeah. see on Discovery Channel, they put sea animals like in the aquariums and stuff. That's kind of what it's like. Mm. It's like a big mm-hmm. sling that carries you. And I saw my bed and the bed looked like a crime scene. It, it looked bad. There was blood everywhere. And uh, I knew it was serious. And uh, so then I waited. I, I, I thought about it. I tried not to think about it while I was in the chair. And then John came that night at evening because he works Tuesday evening at 5.15. And then he got me out of the chair. And then, uh, you know, the drum rolled. As he rolled me over on my side to look at my backside, he's like, it's like, yeah, that's what it's, it's the, it's the old one, the, the second one, the, not the first one, the cock scary, but the one that we just healed, you know, eight months ago and it exploded. Yeah. It was a, it was a big hole. So we took pictures. We contacted Dr. Rubin. He was like, you re, you relapsed again. Like this is, this could be an ongoing thing. How uh, this, and I was yeah. like, yeah. So he gave me choices and what to do. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do something completely just different. So I usually drink coffee in the morning. I drink green tea. I drink smoothies. You know, I like my desserts. I like my cheesecake. I like my chocolate, you know, you know, you know what I mean? I not overdo it. I cut out everything and just, and just said, I'm going to drink. My fluid intake is only going to be distilled water. That's it. It's going to be about a hundred ounces or more a day. No more coffee, no more tea, no more things that add sugar. The only sugar I'm going to, you know, that I'll get is natural sugar from my fruit bowl, my mixed bowl of fruit in the morning, you know, um, and uh, I'm going to do it that way. No antibiotics. I said, I'm going to do it on prayer and water. <laughs> That's what I did. Wow. Well, here we wow. are. 18 weeks later, it will be Tuesday, it will be 18 weeks. And I'm very like 99.99% yield. It's all closed up now, wow. but it still needs like that, that outer layer. It needs that toughness though. So we're still doing wound wow. care. Um, so here we are. Well, you gotta do, you gotta do wound. Yeah, that, that's amazing. But not, so but think, not surprising to me so anyway. I, so I, I think the total I'm all about work, prayer and good food. I think the total bed restoration now, if you add it all up, is from the first time to the second time to the third time, it's about 900 days. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. And it just been. So tell I, me, I tell me, you, you've been through so, so much, Eric. Yeah. Um, but you're a warrior, man. God. Uh, you feel like a warrior? I feel like a warrior. I feel like you a warrior are. in everybody that I talk to. I always involve them with being a warrior. That's like hashtag warrior. You know, when we when I, when I find like-minded people, I'll go warriors, we're warriors, you know, like, because we are. We're, Unite. 
unite. We do. We find each other. We, we find do. each other we in this do. world. Oh, well, yes. And in and, and the way, you know, you've been through adversities like that. That's how I feel. There's that connection with others. That's why I do this because I feel yeah. a really deep connection with people who have been through and who hasn't, you know, who hasn't been through something. Right. Um, so, so, okay. Tell me, tell me what, what I normally ask is for the guests to share some words of wisdom with the audience, sort of like a parting something. And it's mm -hmm. what I do on TikTok. I put this little portion and then on, that's what I put on all the social medias mm -hmm. to, for you to just share your message. If you can do that with our audience. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. The one thing that I've always said from, uh, that I talk about all the time is finding your how. Don't say can't, always say how. Because when you start saying things and you say, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't do that. Well, yeah, you're not going to because you already told yourself, you're not going to do it. But how? How? Think about, and think about how, how really how powerful how is. When you say, I need to go to the store. How? How are you going to make it to the store? Are you going to go by car? Are you going to go by foot? Public transportation? Is somebody going to take you? Are you going to walk? Are you going to crawl? Are you going to use a wheelchair? Are you going to uh, use a skateboard? Whatever it is. But how are you going to get from point A to point P? That's your how. And the how builds. See, when you say how to something, when you sleep, when you think, when you eat, right now I'm talking to you. Some goal and dream right now is building in my, in my body or in my mind. It's not shut down. It's open. It's an open, growing goal or source. When you say you can't, that's it. You've cut it out. You've locked it away. You've shut it down. So I say, always say how. Don't say can't, always say how. How may not happen overnight? How may not happen in five years? How may not happen in 10 years? Who knew in 17 years that I would be back on the stage performing hip hop music again? Because I never said can't. I always said, said how? How will I ever be on the stage again? How will I ever record music again? And I'm doing it. So that's one of my things I always say. Love Just that. don't say can't, Amen. always say how. And the other thing with the inspire, which I've said before, is how powerful mm -hmm. words can be. And I have a quote that says, I never knew how powerful one word could be until I wore it on a shirt. <laughs> awesome. Is that your quote? Yeah, that's my quote. Yep. I love that. And I, I, I got to get one of those shirts. Oh yeah. I, I feel that I feel that I inspire people. I and that you know, like I, I know I've been told that. Um, you know, I mean it feels really good to be able to have people feel that I've done something for them. Um, but I love I love that word. It's so simple and mm -hmm. I love the design. Just like you said, you don't have to make it complicated. That word said says everything. Yeah, and then now we got multiple right? designs to inspire. Yes. Yes, that was the original. I was very strict at keeping it just this for a very long time. No different colors and everything. And then finally we, we did other colors. I mean, if you go to the website now, there's like over probably like a hundred different designs with Inspire. There's like strong women inspire, there's you know, pray, inspire, but pray first or inspire, but coffee first. There's nurses inspire, 
caregivers inspire. There's all, you name it. There's. That's awesome. Well, you yeah. know, you know, I'm a nurse, right? Well, I, I don't, I don't practice right now as, as far as oh. being in a hospital or anything like that, but it's, I worked with um, mental, uh, mentally challenged children and I worked with uh, Alzheimer's patients. So oh. that was, I loved it. I really did when I was doing it, but my hearing has really gotten in the way of that. But um, I, mm. I, I love the black and white. I'm a, I wear everything. If you know me, if you see any of my, I'm always wearing my black leggings with my, black. I just live in black. I just love it. And the white on it is beautiful. Um, where can people get in touch with you? And all uh, Eric's information is going to be in the show notes below. Is there anything else first that you want to share with us before we end? Uh, I would, I would just say like, if you, if you really make goals, have a plan, make goals, dreams are possible. Goals, goals can be reality. If you really plan it out and have a deadline for them. And if a goal is life-changing, you're going to really grind to get it. So if you make a goal, like for, I'm going to get this TV, but it's not really changing your life that you're just going to kind of go, yeah, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to buy it. When I made a goal for new transportation, that was life changing. And let me tell right. you, 30 months of fun, we nonstop fundraising. It took 30 months and we got to that goal. And now I'm fundraising for a house. So now it's we live to inspire. So I moved on to the next campaign. And that's it, you know, and don't, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't worry, don't think you're gonna be weak. Don't think that you're not gonna be strong enough. Everybody needs help. It's okay to ask. It is okay to ask for help because you want to have a best quality of life. You want the best potential of your life and you're not going to do it alone. So it's not going to happen. So, oh, okay. That was, that was I, a couple of things. Yes, to say. I love and then, that. And then if you want to find me, you can Google me, Eric Patrick Thomas. Mm -hmm. And then um, my social mm -hmm. media handles are under Eric Patrick Thomas, except Twitter. It's Eric P. Thomas, and then Inspire is Inspire Shirt, except Instagram. It's Inspire Shirt number one. And then the website's inspireshirt.com. Inspireshirt.com. There's anything that you heard here that you want to reach out to me, just reach out to me. DM me on any social media site um, if there's something that you want to hear more of, or if there's something you need help with, I, or I can, you know, whatever it is, we're, we're all here for you, you know? I can, I'm not going to do it for you, but I could definitely Thank mentor. You. Thank you, Eric. That's very, very kind of you. Uh, I also have been telling my guests that you should be on TikTok. You should, you should really, you have a niche, you, you, you have a gift, you have something to share. And uh, it's a beautiful platform. It's not for the, the baby boomers and Gen Xs are taking over. And, uh, you know, you, you can spread the word. There's so many, many, many people on TikTok. So check it out. And can Me you too. do it? So I know can you do it on the computer? Yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't, you have to look into that a little further, but I'm pretty sure you can. Um, yeah. But it is, it, just check it out. Check it out. Okay. And uh, hold on two seconds. You guys, I didn't mention in the beginning, but please support me. Um, I need to ask this more often. I've been saying it, but if you can go over and subscribe to my YouTube channel, it's a new dawn. 
and also on every major platform I'm on Spotify and Anchor and um, what is that? Apple Podcast, all the major podcast platforms. You can subscribe, comment, share, like. That would really, really help me out. All my links for the for those um, all those links will be in the uh, show notes below. Um, they're on the web, my website also, which will be in the show notes. Also, my Google phone number will be in the show notes. And if you need to get in touch with me, you can leave me a message on that number. If you want to be on the show, reach out to me there. Um, and I talk about the raw bar, every single podcast, I am an affiliate and an ambassador and they do not sponsor me, but my affiliate, uh, link will be in the show notes below. They are vegan, but any diet, they're good for any diet. They have protein from 18 to 22 grams in each bar, um, all organic ingredients, 11 to 13 net carbs, no artificial sweeteners, um, put together by coconut oil, really good for your brain, uh, keeps your blood sugar uh, stable, uh, sweetened by coconut nectar and blackstrap molasses, a little bit of Himalaya salt. They give 10% of all their net proceeds to feed the hungry children worldwide. Um, I love this company. Uh, go to my affiliate link below. Check out the website. You'll see what I'm talking about. There's pictures of them visiting children and doing all good things. So help me out and you'll help them out. And on that note, thank you, Eric, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for telling me your story. You definitely are a warrior. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thank for, you. thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Everybody have a wonderful and blessed day. Take care, everybody.